This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to this week's Quitters. I'm Julie Bowen. I'm Chad Sanders. And this week we are talking to Elise Myers, a very funny, very soulful, very smart woman. And I think Chad and I both fell a little bit in love today. I liked her a lot. She reminded me of a more fun version of some of the people I used to work with at Google. More lived in version, like she was inhabiting her humanity a little bit more. Well, she is somebody who used to be in tech Mm -hmm. and left tech. So maybe there is sort of a self-selecting personality type that goes into the tech world. And I don't know how you would describe it. She's very logical. She seemed like she had a roadmap with contingency plans for everything in her life. She's also pretty self-activated. It sounds like she knows how to put the pieces together for what she's trying to do. I have a question for you about influencers, content creators. Yeah, because that's what she is now. We asked her how to describe herself. She said she's a comedian. I want to ask you, Julie Bowen, famous two-time Emmy-winning comedian, do you, as someone who is very much, just let it happen, a very esteemed part of the establishment that is Hollywood, how do you see content creators? Do you acknowledge her as a comedian? It's funny. To me, I also get confused about comedians and comics. Mm. The people that stand up in front of an audience and do sets... She's not that person, but she is a funny person and a funny storyteller. And she has how many? Four and a half million, something like that. And to me, to be a content creator that I respect, it's somebody who's thoughtful about what they're putting out there. And she appears very easy with it. But behind the scenes, she has worked it out. She's thought about what she's going to say. She's very thoughtful and very targeted about the way that she's going to release her videos. So yeah, I respect that enormously. Do you see her as a part of your world or something adjacent? She is kind of the future. Yeah. She's kind of creating her own content and she's putting it out there. So she kind of is the future of our business. And I'm all for it if people are as smart and thoughtful and funny and vulnerable. She did acknowledge her vulnerabilities, but this is the software engineer thing that I think I saw in her, which is to say she acknowledges a vulnerability, but with a plan to protect herself from it. I agree. And I think that that's smart because she talks about mental health issues. She will talk about her mental health issues, but she's probably, and I really respect this because I've had mental health issues myself. She's probably not going to turn a camera on herself when she's having a meltdown or an anxiety attack or is feeling frustrated and overwhelmed with the world and just let it fly. That's not her jam. She wants to funnel her experience into something meaningful and relatable. And I really appreciate that. 
it feels like she has everything compartmentalized in a place that she likes in her pocket. And she only goes in there when she wants to be in there, which I think is pretty cool. That is very cool. So with that, we give you Elise Myers. I'm Julie. I'm Elise. Nice to meet you. And there is my co-host, Chad Sander. Yes, Chad. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here today. We're really excited. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. This is so cool. Is it? Yeah, it's awesome. I've been doing podcasts with people and I just cannot believe I'm sitting and having conversations with people that I have no business talking to. And it's just incredible. Oh, but you do have business talking to all these people. How do you like to be referred to? TikToker, influencer, content creator? I say comedian or I say creator. I don't know. Just a creative person online, I guess. But people are saying comedian. So we will go with that. You came in as whatever it is that you wish to be called in a way that I understand, which is like, I'm going to come in way low, way real. And if you don't like me here, you can fuck off. Yeah. I get it. It's like underdressing for a party. Yeah. This is me. I'm not wearing Spanx. There is no push-up bra. Do you still like it? Yeah. I mean, before this season, I spent such a huge part of my life filling myself up and making myself this person I wasn't. And then every time someone said that they loved me or thought that I looked really good, there was always a thing in the back of my mind. I don't know if they're saying that because I look this way or because they actually love me. And it was a really hard thing for me to reconcile in my brain. And so I just decided I was going to show up really exactly the way that I was all the time. And now when people tell me that they love me or they love my sense of humor or they just enjoy my character as a person, I really feel like they know who I am when they're saying that. And it's a lot easier for me to receive that compliment and believe it. So it's been really cool for me. You have, I think, 4.6 million TikTok followers. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And I think 1.5 million Instagram followers. Yeah. So I have two questions. The first question is, Do you always know those numbers? No. No. My husband keeps me updated, to be fully honest. He'll tell me when I level up somewhere. That number doesn't make sense to me. I can picture 100 people. I can't picture 100,000 people, let alone a million, let alone 4.6 million. Those numbers aren't real. That doesn't make sense. When you were younger, did you think people could like you this much? Were you the funny kid in the cafeteria? Were you funny in class? Was there something where you were like, maybe it's me? No, not a single thing. I was a really weird kid. I hung out with teachers. I became a lunch server in the cafeteria so that I didn't have to pick a table. How old were you? I was friends with teachers pretty much all through high school. I was too afraid to make friends. And when did they let you work in the cafeteria? Oh, junior high. They like slapped a hairnet on you and said, here you go. Yeah, it was like for volunteer hours. Ah, okay. Yeah, it was me and a couple other kids, but I did it so I didn't have to pick people to sit with during lunch. That was my way of avoiding conversations with people. It also got me out of class 10 minutes early. Pizza day, that was a huge win. So all through school, it's always a part of programs so that I didn't have to have any downtime and make friends because I was really bad at it. So no, there was never a moment in my life where I was like, you know what makes sense for me? Becoming famous. (laughs) So where did you grow up? I grew up in California in Anaheim. So you didn't have a sense that you wanted to be famous or that you wanted all these eyes on you, but you did have a sense that you had stories to tell. Yeah, for sure. I've been writing and telling stories pretty much my whole life, whether it's through short stories, through music. 
And I would make little home movies. I bought a camcorder or I was given one for Christmas one year and I would cut it together and preview it for my family. That was understanding that this is something that's a really powerful tool for me in my life to process what's happening in my mind, but then also be creative. I've always been a storyteller, but never thought people would actually see the stories. Did you have an Instagram following before TikTok came along? No. Do you think that if TikTok had never come along, would your creativity have just found another outlet or it was a perfect vessel for the perfect match? I'm kind of that person that will do something in a creative space for like a month and then get really tired of it, drop it and then go to something new. So I've always done that. But TikTok was kind of this perfect storm of I loved editing. I loved making little clips. I loved visuals. And the visuals came because I have really bad ADD. So I love looking at something while I'm hearing something happen. It was this perfect marriage of all of the things that I love about being creative. And I felt like it was this complete expression of what I love to do. If it wasn't successful, I would have just found something else to do. What was the night where you went to sleep one night with X amount of followers and you woke up the next morning with 400X that many followers? Well, definitely the taco video was the biggest explosion of eyeballs. For those who don't know, she went on a date (laughs) with a guy from an app who somehow convinced her to drive him to Taco Bell. And then he orders 100 hard shell tacos and then also somehow convinced her to pay for them come back to his home and eat them with his clearly not mentally together dad. Yeah. And then I escaped with all 96 of them in my hands, not looking like I needed help so that they didn't follow me in my car. Those tiny tacos. How many (laughs) bags of tacos is that? It's about 10 party packs. So it was in bags and boxes so you could carry them easily. Got it. But it's a lot. It's like front and back seat of tacos. Has this guy ever gotten in touch with you again? No, but I have met other people that have been on the same date with the same guy. What? Yeah. (laughs) He's done this to multiple people at the same Taco Bell. Wait, have you gone to that Taco Bell and interviewed the people at the Taco Bell? No, it's in California. I'm in Nebraska now. The thing is, all the Taco Bell employees in my comments, because I thought for sure they would hear that order and think something's wrong. Right. And everybody in the comments was like, oh, that's the least inconvenient order because it's all the same thing. We can easily smash that out. No one would even think about it twice. And so I was always like, they've got to remember. And everybody that worked at Taco Bell was like, there's no way. The weirdest orders come through. Damn it. I really want to talk to somebody. But if it's the same Taco Bell and the same weird dude. I know. I want to know. I think if you went to the same Taco Bell, it's the same weird dude. They're like, Henry, he's back. Yes. Check it out. He's got a different girl patting himself down. Doesn't have the wallet. She's got to pay again. That's insane. Yeah, it's insane. Can you actually take us through the scene of you realizing that you had become famous? Yeah. So I woke up that morning and I was at 74,000 followers. I had been growing one to 2,000 a day for a while. That was the first three minute video I ever did. At that point, the limit was three minutes. And I thought, there's no way anyone's going to watch this. It's three full minutes. So I put more emojis and stuff on it because that was really interesting to me. Posted it. I walk upstairs. And then within 10 minutes, my phone just starts lighting up. What is happening? Something's gone wrong. I've offended somebody for sure on accident. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I look in and it got to like a million views within, I think, an hour. And at that point, I'd only had one video hit a million views and it took a month. And we were trying to figure out how to celebrate hitting 100,000 followers. So within that day, we got to like 400,000. And Jonas walks up to me and I'm not checking the numbers. We have a baby. And he was like, I think we're going to have to figure out a different way to celebrate because you just hit 400,000. What? I got really scared because a news agency in Paris was playing the video and I was getting emails and PR people and what is going on. And I got really freaked out. 
it was a week of me basically just staying away from online. Yeah, I kind of realized it wasn't dying down and the following just continued to grow and this was real. You stay out of the comments section? I don't stay out of the comments. I don't Google myself. I don't go deep, deep in the comments. The cool thing about social media now is that a lot of the negative comments are really filtered to the bottom. And so if you're not shopping for pain in the depths of the comments, you're really not going to find it. And what's cool about the nature of my following is that they're very socially anxious. Usually it's pretty kind. You're in Nebraska, a computer engineer, a software engineer, right? A web developer. And then one day you wake up and you have emails and messages and all this shit in your inbox from people who want to work with you, help amplify you. Where's your emotional journey at this point? Oh man, I will be so honest. I fought really, really hard to get to become a web developer and grow my business. And I finally found this thing that fit for me my whole life. I just didn't fit in all the things I was trying to do. Web development felt really safe, perfect, complete thing I had found and was really working for me. My husband had just quit his job to stay home full-time with our son and I was working and running this business. And so when this happened, I didn't think this is my big break and I'm going to monetize this and take advantage of it now. I was living my dream, doing something I loved. And I felt if anything is going to take away from this, it's actually a threat to our family life and our health, all of that. Mm. It wasn't this thing that I was super pumped and felt finally it's happening to me. I am the chosen one. I kept making content because people were enjoying it and I felt I could be creative. But as that content grew and I loved it so much, I was doing two full-time jobs. So I was working 60 hours a week in my web development and then waking up at three in the morning, making content until seven, posting and then doing my job and then getting off and then making more content. I was working 20 hours a day and then a newborn at night. I couldn't do both. As I had all this opportunity sent my way, I also didn't know what was real, what wasn't. I am a little bit older in this space and I'm not a 16-year-old kid that had a viral video. So I have a bit more of an understanding of how businesses are run and how not everything is the truth. I was able to find my manager at first who is just incredibly generous and very a safe person for me. And the more I started working with her and the more I got to see that I could add so much value to people's life and help them feel comfortable and so loved, just as who they were, I found that that was so much more impactful for me than the reach I was able to have as a web developer. And so I had to make the decision to choose how I was going to spend my time. And I felt the content creation and the comedy and the writing, that was kind of what I was meant to do. It felt really powerful for me in our life and made sense for our family. And slowly we've been expanding people on my team as it's needed. As I have just been swamped with my time, I've found what are the things only I can do and then send everything else out. Right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, you did not say the one thing. You quit. I quit. You had to quit. Was that scary? Oh my gosh, yeah. It was scary. And then I felt so embarrassed. I'm going to be a social media influencer. It felt so embarrassing. You wouldn't be embarrassed if it was your husband. You wouldn't be embarrassed if it was your best friend. But if it's you, it's somehow laden in shame. Totally. And ironically, because my husband just quit his job, I felt this huge burden. This was the plan. With web development, we were fine. I know all the numbers. I'm good. 
With this, it was so unknown that I just was like anxiety all the time. And my husband was like, it's good. You're good. You're so meant for this. Just do it. So I jumped in it, but it was scary for a little bit just because I wasn't sure how it was going to work out. What did you have to leave behind? The financial security of web development? Were you freelancing? Did you have a salary? Did you have a company? Did you have to let other people down? I didn't have to let anybody down. I had a whole company. I was on my own payroll. I was hiring other developers out to kind of take side work. But essentially, I have a friend in the space and I worked with him for a few months, grew him up as a developer, and then basically gave him my business. And I believe that generous freelancers are the best people to work with. I just gave him all my clients and just said, if you can do this, then here you go. And a lot of people didn't know. And then about three weeks or four weeks later, after the pass off, I would get emails. Hey, I didn't know you are online. I am. I'm so sorry. I didn't also want to be a liability to their companies. Right. Has there been some journey around seeing your own face and hearing your own voice so much? I don't love to go back and watch things. It's hard. I have to edit and I see my face and hear my voice over and over and over again. But with interviews and watching people word for word transcribe my words in an article and reading it back. Oh, that's the worst. It's the worst because that's not how a sentence reads when you write it. It's just how I said it. But yeah, it's been really challenging. And also, I just don't pay a lot of attention to the stuff that I'm not creating. If someone else is writing it about me, that's awesome. I hope that that's successful for them and I hope that it does what it needs to do. But I am trying really hard to stay focused on the point of all of this. And for me, it's to add value to people's life and to make them feel at home in their bodies and minds. So as long as you are adding value as you see it, by essentially sharing your truth, your experience in a way that is comedic and very deadly straightforward. I mean, you're like, here's the truth. The truth is this. At what point or have you yet faced people saying, that's great. So let's bump it up a notch. We could get you a million more followers if we just had a special day when you wore a push-up bra and stood on your head. I'm making that up, obviously. I've actually experienced the opposite. Oh! Yeah, I love telling stories and I love posting my coffee talks audience-wise. There's so many other things I love to do. I love music. I love art. I love parody stuff. I love cooking. And anytime I try and do other things, they like it, but they just want the straightforward. And I love it, but there's so much more to me. I just keep making it because I don't care. This is my account. It's my social media. I'm going to make it. But yeah, everybody else on the money side of things loves it. They're super stoked. The one thing I think is really funny, which I love you, Linnea. Linnea is my manager. I think that she's not used to working with people that say no so often to brands, (laughs) which I know sucks in the short term. And she's really being patient with me and she's incredible. But unless it's the absolute perfect fit and it makes sense for me, I'm not desperate and I'm not going to make decisions out of being desperate. And I think that that's a really powerful place to be in. It's things that take away time from my family. It's things that take me out of the stability of our life and my son's life and my husband's life. It's things that don't align with my beliefs. And also, I don't want to lose the trust of the people that have put me here. I feel like if your feed is constantly ads, even if it's a great ad, that's an ask from them. And I don't want to do a million asks. I agree. So I am a writer. Julie is an actor and director and producer. And I think people who do what you do, and very few do it at your level, but I think you all are in such a sweet spot, such a leverage spot. Do you think of yourself that way? Because you're like a one-stop shop for all of it. You write, you act, you produce, you direct. Do you feel that way? Kind of. I mean, I definitely know that I am right now. The hard thing is, as I am growing, 
what I do is so limited. And so the things I'm wanting to do, like we're in production for podcasts, TV shows, movies, books, all of that. I love writing and I love storytelling and acting and producing editing. But what I can do is so limited compared to what others would probably think I can do when I walk into a room. I'm good at a lot of things. I'm great at none of the things. So what are the things you worry about when you walk into a room they think I can do more? It sounds like you've got podcasts, books, TV shows, all these things coming up. Which of these are you like, I don't know how to do that? All of them. I don't know what I'm doing. People think I understand social media. They think that I understand posting times and I genuinely like telling stories. And so if I need to figure out how to flesh that out in a book and write more than just a three minute clip, then I can do that. But I don't have the skills right now, but I will because I'm going to get there and I'm going to figure it out. So I feel like a powerhouse, but I am the seed of a powerhouse and it will grow. But It is interesting because brands really understand the power of a content creator with ads. Mm. Now they just are like, here's money. You're going to write it, edit it, post it together, clip it, and then put it online. And I think that's really interesting because it's not a commercial anymore. They're paying somebody some money and they do everything. You could also argue, and I like the way you're coming at it, you could argue that they have outsourced 90% of their work. Mm -hmm. But as they are paying you to represent their brand, they should pay you to represent their brand in the way that feels the most natural to you. That's always a challenge to be genuine about it. Yeah. I just want to get back to the quit for a second. You quit your day job. Mm -hmm. How long after your husband had quit to be essentially a full-time dad? My husband quit in August and I quit in September. (laughs) Well, that is ridiculous. (laughs) I'm just going to say that right now. Did you just think he could not do it? Is this all a huge cover? You're like, I saw him with the diapers. It was not working out. No, if anything, I quit because he was doing it. If I didn't think he could, I would be home working as a web developer. I was working at home with him and he's so good at it that I've been able to hop on a plane and go to California and New York and all the things. It's been crazy. This is this sweet spot. You've got money in the bank and you've got advertisers. You've got creative freedom. It was right thing at the right time all at once. So are you super rich now? (laughs) This is. I mean, I'm just going to be real. Okay, so money is a funny thing because I grew up really poor as a child and I've always been a saver. The money coming in now isn't mine. It's the business. It's the S-Corp. I'm on a payroll. I'm making what I made as a web developer and that's it. It just sits there and it doesn't exist to me. It just feels like points and they sit in an account. That's great. You pay the people that work in this team. And I feel in a sense, because I'm on payroll of the company, it's very much removed from me. It's all growing and it's so new too. My first ad was Dunkin' Donuts and it was in November. And that was the first ad ever. I understand that from a principled standpoint, it's smart to, I think, think about your money that way, but it's yours. So are you doing it that way on purpose so that you don't change how you live or how you create or to stay free? Where's your head at? All of it. I've always wanted to have fuck you money and I want it to stay in the bank. I don't want to have it in my wallet because I don't need it. I want it to be there so that I can say no to a company that wants me to do something I don't believe in or just wants me to do something I don't have time for. I am so passionate about keeping my family healthy and together. Those are the two values we have with our family. And so if a decision keeps us not healthy or not together, then I'm not going to do it. I would rather have savings and not change anything about our life. And I'm still going to be shopping at the Goodwill. And we buy our groceries at Walmart. (laughs) That's just how we live our life. And it allows us to be generous with our money and it allows us to stay focused. I think that if I immediately changed my life, I would really lose sight quickly. It happens all the time and it makes so much sense. I grew up so poor that anybody would want to just grab all of the money out of the bank and just spend it because I can, but I'm in it for the long haul. I want to be in this for 20, 30, 40 years and I'm not going to be if I burn bright and fast. 
Are you a part of a TikToker creator community in that do you see the younger TikTokers who I know from Forbes list are also getting super rich? Are they living differently? Are they wiling out with their money? Are they acting like little baby stars? I don't really have friends in this space. There's a couple people I connect with. I don't get to collaborate much because I live in Nebraska. And so everybody in LA or New York or bigger areas, I think it's a lot easier to get there with your money or to change your life because it's celebrated. And then once you see somebody else upping their finances and their success, it's easy to kind of be like, I want to be on that level. I don't fill my feed with that. I don't talk to people that are like that. Really not a lot about my life has changed other than the fact that now I am every once in a while getting on a plane and making a commercial in New York. It's very bizarre. My life is so fragmented and that 95% of it's just what it used to be. Right. That's crazy. You talk a lot about mental health and I've been in therapy. I've been in mental hospitals. I've been on medication since 13. So giving up the shame of talking about that is a journey that I have found to be very challenging. Cause I'm like, yeah, I don't fucking care. And then I'm like, I care. I care so deeply. I wish I didn't say that. And that kind of push pull, but you seem at least on your TikToks and Instagram, to be at a place where you don't question it. Yeah, I think it's as normal for me as talking about how hot it is outside. It's something that wasn't normal when I was a kid and I felt a lot of shame for it. And I felt really confused as to why it was not something that was okay to talk about or my problems had to be hidden from everybody else because it was shameful for my parents. I remembered getting driven in a car to inpatient therapy And thinking, I never want my kid to be in this position. If they're in this position, I never want them to feel like they can't call their friends to say bye because I don't want them to know what's happening. That was a very distinct memory. How old were you? 10th grade, I think. So like 16? 15. 15. Yeah. But I've been in therapy since I was a child. Some of my earliest memories were with court mediators and therapists. This is a normal thing for me. It's been my whole life. But there is one element that I can't let go of when you said, I didn't want to embarrass my mom or my dad. Are they living? They are, yes. How do you feel about them hearing you now? We've had a lot of talks about all of this and they're learning stuff as I am sharing stories. And it's been really interesting to see how they respond to it. And I think that it's kind of messy, but it's also very good because these are the stories that are true. It's not just my truth, it's the truth. And so it's hard because I want to honor them and I love them. And also it was really hard. And so I'm not going to just cover up what my life looked like as a kid just because it hurts their feelings. It hurt my feelings too. And so it's been really interesting. What did your life look like as a kid? I've not talked a whole lot about it, but my parents basically were not together by the time I was born. I have three older brothers, 10, 8, and 7 years older than me. So when I came into the picture, my parents' marriage is pretty much done. And once I came, the divorce officially started happening. I had been going back and forth between mom and dad's house since I was born, basically, And from then on, one parent would kind of be unwell. And so I'd have to go to the others and live there for a while. And then I'd go to grandparents. And then that's a whole slew of things that would come up for me. And I really struggled mentally and physically. I was in therapy and got on medication and I really struggled with bullying. I didn't know who I was. And so I allowed everybody's opinion to affect me. I really needed a role model to tell me who I was. And I really needed a woman to come into my life and tell me what you could be and the beautiful things that are in you. I needed someone to tell me that and I didn't have it. Did that ever happen? Eventually, I latched on to friends' parents and other friends in my life and strong women in media and people that I could look up to. But I never 
felt like I had somebody that could really help me figure out who I was. If anything, it was my brothers, to be fully honest with you. I joke and say that my three brothers were also my three dads, but we all were kind of in the battlefield together. So you start as a comedian and you're not worried about what you're saying because, hey, most people aren't really listening. I'm just doing this for me and a very small following. Yeah. Then it starts blowing up. And you said you weren't as concerned about your parents, but were you concerned about your brothers? I want to know if, when, and where you ran against shame and fear of speaking your truth. Honestly, I wish I could say that I did, but I don't. Well, I'm glad you didn't. Yeah. I just am going back to the Chad question. I'm like, how did you get there? Who gave you permission to feel so mentally healthy? I did. I gave myself permission. I want to give people permission. I've decided it's just not weird. It just isn't. Even if it is, it isn't. I don't care. I really don't. And so I think that people feel that way when they're around me and when they watch my videos. And that's the only thing I want to do with these videos. That's why I don't change the way that I live my life or even consider the amount of people that are following me. It doesn't matter. That's great. That means that I'm gaining favor in people's hearts and lives, but that doesn't have any bearing on what I'm going to create or who I'm going to create it for. I try really hard to stay focused. Are you religious? Did you grow up religious? I didn't grow up religious as a kid. In America, it's kind of interesting in that if you are here, you should be Christian. My parents would take us to church, but no one ever believed it. And then I was like, I don't want this for my life at all. Left. I burned every bridge in my life, melted down and moved to Australia. Ended up accidentally going to a, a ministry school. Say it's a cult. Yeah, a cult. On accident, I thought it was a music school. I wanted to be a musician. And so I walked up and on the side of the building, it said, Jesus, hope for humanity. And I was like, what the fuck did I just walk up into? And I thought the church has rented their building to the school. This is not an issue. And I walk in and the first thing I see is people just praying in tents. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. You went all the way to Australia to join? I didn't mean to. Not on purpose. <laughs> to join this, in your mind, school. Yeah, songwriting. That in itself is telling about who you I are as a person. I went for a guy person. as well. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I found out it wasn't, but I had burned literally every bridge in my life and felt like I was kind of at a dead end in my life. I have no other place I can go. I feel stuck here. And so I stayed and I ended up finding some really cool friends and learning some things at the church. You had to go to church and chapel and all that. And I picked up some things that I really loved for my life and a lot of things I didn't and just kind of decided what I believe. At the core of me, I have a certain personal faith, but I don't go to church. I'm not a Christian creator. So what are you going to do with your kid? He's going to get to do whatever he wants to do. My husband actually was a pastor and that's what he left. Ah. He left because he got to the point where I was with church, but it took us a few years. So I stopped going and was at home. You can do whatever you need to do with your situation, but this isn't for me. He ended up getting there and then quit. Just so ironic because all I wanted was a piece of influence at church to have a voice and they wouldn't give it to me because I was a woman. And then I quit and then Jonas quits. And then three weeks later, I am literally famous. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You've now been in a few different spaces, including the tech industry, which I used to work in also, where women are not allowed to be the boss. Is that something that's a part of what you want people to feel and know about you? Is that something that's important to you? Like being in a space that's mainly male saturated? Being in that space and also just being so powerful in such a space. Yeah, I think that I just never considered that it wasn't possible. I didn't go into this experience thinking I'm going to crawl my way to the top and do whatever it takes and have to push people down. I really keep my head down and focus on what I love to do. And if it works out, it works out. But I don't actively think about having to prove myself. I've already proved myself to me. And if everybody has an issue with that, then that's their issue. The actual skills that you had in the technology industry, 
have those been transferable to what you're doing now? Do you think you had any sort of advantages from anything like understanding algorithms? Did any of that shit help with what you do now? I wouldn't say anybody that isn't in my brain could look at what I've done and being like, oh, I can see how that transfers. But a lot of little things that I never really considered. So this is one that I think is really funny. So you know, on TikTok, you can pin videos on the top. So that's the first thing you see. I was a UX UI designer. And I know that's the stupidest thing you could possibly do because on a screen in the viewport, 75% of the screen is the top, your photo, your name. And then all they're going to see is the three videos they've already seen. And they're not going to keep scrolling. They're going to watch the video that already is viral. And it also communicates to the world that this is the best I'm ever going to do. I'm never going to make a video better than this. So they pin their videos because they're like, see, I'm successful. I made a video that was seen by 20 million people. And then you keep scrolling and it's 2,000, 3,000. If people want to see that video, they're going to see it. What you want them to see is the content you are currently making. That was so good. That's so good. (laughs) Someone should have to pay for that advice. Those are things that I didn't set on doing. It's just I've automatically consumed that information. So it kind of came out in my videos. Even like visuals, my stickers and emojis, I know that people aren't going to just sit and listen unless they are super, super great at auditory processing. And for me, my whole following is not going to be because I have really bad ADHD and I talk about it. So I need to be catering to the people that are watching my videos, which need to have something to look at. And so that's where the stickers came from. Can we talk about ADHD for a second? Yeah. What is your experience with it? But how has it informed your work up to this point? And how is it informing this transition into being in the public eye? Well, I think my ADHD and my anxiety are very overlapping. So a lot of them, when I talk about one, I'm talking about the other as well, kind of. But I actually forgot your question. (laughs) Wait, that's really good and really funny. Because it was a (laughs) shitty question and you have ADHD. No, that's fantastic. Is that a joke? (laughs) That That's wasn't a, a joke. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Let me break that down. Yeah. When did you first know that you had ADHD? I was diagnosed with ADHD after depression and anxiety medications weren't working for me and the anxiety medications were making me more anxious. I went to a psychologist when I was 15, after I got out of rehab, basically. Mm -hmm. So I struggled with body image and eating stuff. And I had a doctor basically tell me a lot of the times when people are diagnosed with eating disorders, they also have ADHD because it's a lack of impulse control. And so oftentimes these kids are not assessed for ADHD when they should be. And that was the first time anyone had ever said, your daughter is super ADHD. She needs to be assessed. And that was the first time I got on medication and it was life-changing for me. You went on ADHD medication as opposed to anxiety medication and it helped your anxiety. And my ADHD, yeah. That is so interesting. Yeah. There's so many things I do to maintain my mental health that I can't talk about because people think that I'm giving the worst news ever. The way that I eat obviously affects my mood and my behavioral health and my mental health, but people don't want to believe that. Right. When you say you can't talk about something, and this goes back to the leverage thing, right? You have a team that you picked. You're a mom. You're a wife. You have so many levers of control and siloing of your spirit and creativity. Who can tell you what you can and can't say? That part I don't get. It's not I can't talk about it. It's that I don't have the mental energy to try and prove that. And the medical claims I would be making in that statement would require a lot of proof because it's the medical field. I just don't touch the medication and the medical realm. That's not something I have time and energy to back up. And so I have my N equals one experiences, but I'm not going to be able to just go in with all of the data. You know, I don't have the time to do that. I don't feel like I can't talk about it. And when I do live streams, I talk about it. Right. That is the one thing I had as my email address for years and years. It's no longer active, guys. So don't try it. It was Julie B. Prozac at Earthlink. (laughs) 
I don't even know if the Earthlings still exist. I don't think so. And somebody professional in my life said, maybe we get a different email. I'm like, no, people need to know. Prozac saved my life. Yeah. Nobody should be ashamed to talk about it. No. It's right there in my email. People ask me about it. I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah. I did eventually change it. You should say your new email now. I should definitely <laughs> say it. Mine is Chad Sanders. <laughs> At earthlink.com. At earthlink.net. <laughs> I look at all social media as an output mechanism. I cannot handle the inflow and the commentary. It's a lot. I find that to be overwhelming. But I do think that if you can do something decent with a position that you're given and you were given this position by doing something decent, then you have a responsibility to do so. Yeah. Do you feel, though, that there's a looming sense that how are you going to keep it up? Oh, yeah. I don't feel that. But a lot of people put that on me because they know that's how they would feel in this position. Right. I'm going to be honest, knowing I can go back to web development at any point is a pretty powerful thing. So I never am nervous that it's going to run out. Also, I know myself and I don't pin videos on my TikTok because I know my best idea is next. And so I have full confidence in the fact that I am a creative person. If I stopped being creative, I wouldn't be living. It's who I am. And so if it's not TikTok or Instagram or YouTube, it's going to be something else that doesn't exist yet. And so the first question they love to ask is, aren't you afraid you're going to run out of stories? I have a story from this morning at Starbucks. I don't understand how that's possible. Are you alive? Do you watch your life? There's a story in it. This part of your life feels so wonky. This has to feel like such a third dimension. Are you watching it? Yes. And it's funny because I'm always reluctant to share stories from this season because someone can't relate to being mobbed in an airport because they're well-known. That doesn't happen to most people. I have so many stories that I think need to be in another format, like a book or something that isn't as just a video clip. But yeah, this season of my life, I'm now seeing what I am doing as the way it will be portrayed in 20 years when there's a movie about it. And I know that sounds really cocky to say, but I am just aware of where this is going. I'm writing in my journal and really trying to just remember because one, it's important to me. Two, I want to pass all these memories to my son and it's so cool that he gets to experience this with us. But three, I want to be present for it and I want to appreciate it. I do want to talk about these stories at some point because the things I don't feel comfortable saying online are just so wild. So I'll just write it down. <laughs> Here's the sad truth. I was pregnant with twins on the pilot of Modern Family. I did the show for 11 years. I thought, if nothing else, at least my kids will think I'm cool. Yeah. Nope. No. Somewhere around age 11, your kid will look at you and be like, don't care. It does not matter if you just invented sugar. Yeah. They will purposely not like that because of the normal developmental stage to be like, moms and dads are not cool, period. The end, no matter what I did. Unless I was in a Marvel movie as a major character, not a small one, and was on the poster. That's the one side thing. That does make you cool, honestly. I would think that was cool. I have not crossed that bar. But then my question is, is there anything then in your life right now that you would like to quit? I would like to quit feeling like I am not in control of my schedule. Mm. Right now, I feel very reactive to a lot of things in my life. And... I am not here to react to things. I need to be intentionally making decisions for our life and with my family. Right now, the biggest focus for me and this whole thing, hiring the people I need to hire so that I am not doing the things I don't need to be doing. I'm tired of feeling like I'm in a rush every moment of the day. It's stressful. It's not helpful for my future. And it's definitely not sustainable. So that's what I want to quit. That makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like you've got a roadmap to doing it. Do you have people that you can check in with around you that agree or disagree? I mean, maybe your husband would say, 
actually, you're doing great. We're all great. This isn't so out of control. Totally. He's a good sounding board for that. Yeah. Jonas is never going to sugarcoat anything. And if I am too off in my head or if I feel he's mad at me and he's not, we've had to learn really early in our marriage to just really reaffirm each other. And I struggle with anxiety. So he will randomly just come into the room and be like, I'm not mad at you and walk out just because he knows I need it. Oh my I God, love I that. love Jonas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I like that. I don't know if anyone saw that I'm not mad at you video, but that's why I made it is because it's so powerful for me to hear Jonas say, I'm not mad at you all the time. But I was like, someone needs to hear someone say that in their life. I'm not mad at you. And if someone is mad at you, they'll tell you. I'm an engaged person. And I'm wondering as a guy would, how all of this is impacting or affecting the guy that you live with. How's he dealing with all of it? That's a good question. We actually talked at length about this when we were in California last month. We spent the whole month in California with family. And the ego side of things, he has said many times, I know this happened to you because you don't care about it. That's the only reason that this is so successful is because you just don't give a shit about anybody's opinion of you or whether you're doing good or not. And he said many times, he knows if it would have happened to him, it would have gotten to his head soon. And I think that's so honest. And I love that. And so It's interesting because he's had to really decide what he wants to be a part of and what he doesn't. And we have to talk very honestly about the opportunities we get. And is this right for just me? Is this right for both of us? Do you guys both like to be in the spotlight or no? I think she leans much further toward you. Like, I don't think she gives a shit. Then that's great. I like it (laughs) to an extent. I don't think I would like as much as you have, but you have sounds like a lot, but you live in Nebraska. Yeah. It's a wonderful place to live when you accidentally become way more famous than you thought was possible. I think that your dynamic is very similar to ours in that you guys kind of balance each other out. And so to protect yourself and your relationship, I think from everything, you have to have things that are sacred and private just to you guys. And so whether that's topics of conversation or your time, or you don't feel like you're available to the world 24-7, my phone, if I let it, would be nonstop. I have made it a point in my family. I leave my office at four every day. If people need to get a hold of me from four to eight, that's it. If a deal needs to be made between four and eight, it's not my deal. You could be giving me a million dollars. I genuinely do not care. I will be giving my son a bath and having dinner with my husband. And if that's a problem with you, then I'm not your person. Go find somebody that's available 24-7. That is a huge deal to me. And if you can just get a couple of those things in your life to protect your time in that marriage, I think you're going to know which things are right for you and how to kind of maintain that balance. Mm. Wow. Yes. Thank you so much for being so open. And you are so open and so vulnerable every day on your feed. And you are so funny. Thank you. I can't wait to see what happens next. I want to start following up with people like in six months. The thing that you wanted to quit was feeling like you weren't in control of your schedule. Yeah. I want to follow up in like six months and be like, how you doing with that? I do have one question I want you both to answer that I'm really curious about. Okay. If you still could kick anything off your bucket list in your career, what would that still be? Oh... I got a lot more of those probably than Julie. I don't know. Something that almost I'm embarrassed to say this because it just seems too much. I feel like nothing embarrasses me anymore because I have three kids and I am the breadwinner. I have no more shame. So I don't have any shame about wanting to have a revenue stream that is primarily my own. I love my team. I love my people. But I would love to also have something that was just mine. The dream is that it's creative and revenue, that does feel like asking too much. I'm not sure what that looks like, but I think that would be my dream. Cool. I really like that answer. Have you ever seen Bo Burnham Inside? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed. I would like to do some kind of Chad version of that. 
Are you a music? I do all kinds of stuff. That's my smallest, most insecure thing that I do. But I obviously do this. I write screenplays. I've done short films. Co-write together sometime musically. Yeah, let's do it. You talk about mental health. You talk about having a kid. You talk about having a husband. You talk about dating, food, just the mundane observational world. And you wrap it up in a way that is so relatable and so lovely and so comforting and fucking funny. So thank you. My turn. I also just want to say you're so smart, obviously. But I feel like your brain, you can see it doing stuff while you're talking. And it's pretty amazing. And your person that you're raising is going to be so tight just based on how you see the world. That means a lot to me because that was my main goal when I became a parent. I was really scared to be a parent because I never wanted to repeat the mistakes that were made when I was a kid around me and for me. That's actually really powerful for you to tell me that because it's really cool. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. You are a dream. Man, thank you guys so much. Thank you. 